I'll say this, you know, in, in regards to some just sales tips, um, since we're still on the subject, but, you know, in regards to some different sales tips, you know, sales is the lifeblood of your business. Like every business owner needs to get good at selling, right? Because even in your marketing, you're selling, you're trying to sell your business and getting them to take the next step with your business, which just might be a call or clicking the website or whatever. So you got to get good at selling. Um, and then when somebody is actually on a phone, you know, ready to buy from you, that's selling too. If you can't close and you can't sell, your business dies. You're not making any money. Okay. So you've got to get really good at sales. It is a big, big deal. Um, and you got to get good at handling these objections. You know, uh, I'll give you an example, right? Like, uh, with the objection of money, you know, there's a lot of people who say, I can't afford it. I can't, you know, the price is too high, right? Well, even with saying that, we don't really know what the truth is, right? Uh, if you say the price is too high, what exactly are you saying? You know, are you saying that you don't believe the value exceeds the cost? Remember when we talked about that earlier, right? In the offer, are you saying that the value doesn't exceed the cost? And maybe they'll be like, yeah, product sucks. The offer sucks. I don't think it's worth it, right? Or they're saying, no, no, no. Like, I think totally the product is worth that. It's like, it's a great value for what it, it costs. Like, I'm not saying that. I'm saying I can't afford it. The price is too high. Because that's a totally different objection from saying the product and the offer are too, like, they're, they're priced too high, which can happen too, by the way, right? Like, I've had that kind of feedback where we've had to adjust our pricing because people weren't buying it, we'd get feedback, and it was constantly like, look, I just don't see the value, you know, for what you guys are charging. And so we've had to adjust the offer. Um, but assuming that they do believe the value is good relative to the cost, then it becomes, okay, well, you know, you don't have enough money, well, let's talk about this, right? And that's where, you know, getting creative comes into play, right? Can you help them get financing? Are there other ways for them to buy it? Can they get, you know, somebody else to help them buy it, right? Like, you know, a lot of people might have a negative stigma about this, but I'll tell you, I mean, <laughs> in real estate, I got my career started by maxing out my credit cards for $50,000 to use as a down payment to flip my first house. I have no regrets, you know, and I'm a big advocate of using credit and everything else to fund a business. Um, or even fund your education. Like, I've got no problem with it. Now, there is a problem when people just, like, don't, like, they think that by doing this, they're going to just, uh, like, they, they can't live with the worst case, essentially, right? Like, you know, they're, they're going all in on this. If it doesn't work, their life's over. Like, I knew that if I maxed out my credit cards that didn't work out, I was still going to be all right. You know, maybe I'd declare bankruptcy. I was young at the time you know, we didn't have kids. I'm like, I can live with the worst case scenario if this doesn't work out. If you can't live with the worst case scenario of what you're about to do, then don't do it. You know, that's, that's the point. If you can, then you're gonna have to take a risk because business is always about risk. You know, there's no 100% foolproof investment. You know, there's always risk with everything that you do. And so, you know, even in real estate, like we, this is the biggest one. We're always like, Hey, you know, you don't have the money, but do you think you're gonna have the money to go buy all these houses that, you know, you're gonna be fine with deals? No, we never have enough money, right? When I wanna go buy a $20 million apartment, I don't have $20 million cash right now laying around. Like, I gotta go raise the money 
once I have the deal, right? That's how it works in real estate. Every time we go get a house flip, we go raise the money to buy the flip. So, you know, there's not a big difference between mortgages, private money, hard money, lines of credit, HELOCs, credit cards. They're all forms of debt. And you're using that debt to try and make more money. And, you know, there's a chance that it doesn't go right and you lose money. And there's also a chance, if you're doing the right things, that you make a lot of money from the debt. At the end of the day, every business is going to take on debt. So <laughs> the biggest companies in the world go public. That's why they raise capital, you know, in, in Series A, Series B, all these rounds, because they need debt to grow the business. That's just how it goes. And so a lot of people don't even understand that because maybe they've, you know, been conditioned to believe that debt is bad and, and all this stuff. And it's like, you explain that to them, like, look, you want to get into real estate? You're going to take debt out one way or the other. So you just tell us <laughs> when you're ready to do that, right? Um, so that's a sales tip. Another sales tip I have is um, follow up. So, you know, you got to follow up with customers and, and leads. Very rarely does somebody just buy right then and there on the first try. Um, like I said, it takes seven touches. And, you know, if I do a good job with my marketing, then I'm going to get a lot of touches right there. But um, if I you know, maybe they don't see my marketing, it's going to be on the sales team to continue to get towards that seven touch because if they keep answering and you keep talking, eventually it's going to turn into a deal if you follow up enough, okay? So, you know, sales is definitely about the follow-up and, you know, as you build your database up, um, you're going to be able to do a lot more. So that's, that's it for sales. Now, let's talk about number, this is number four, okay? And that is fulfillment, okay? Once you've sold somebody, you know, fulfillment is obviously a really big deal, right? Um, you know, at the end of the day, you got to just do what you say, okay? You've promised, um, you know, a certain outcome, all that. So, you know, the whole goal here is to just do what you say. Now, is this always going to happen? No. I mean, business is business. There's always crap that goes wrong. Markets change. Customer might be hard to deal with. There's things that are out of your control. An employee might quit. You know, at the end of the day, business is tough. I'm not going to sit here and tell you guys business is just easy and like, this is the easy part. Fulfillment, once you've got them, it's easy. It's like, no, fulfillment is still always a hard thing. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, the whole thing is to just do what you say. You know, if you can just give them the things that, you know, you promised and the deliverables, you're going to be pretty good. Okay. Now I'm going to go into some other things that will kind of tie all this together. But, you know, the next thing you got to think about during fulfillment is you got to create um, a great experience. Okay. You got to create a great customer experience. You know, the moment they're in, how quickly do they get onboarded? How quickly do they talk to somebody? How quickly are they getting their product or service? Like we want to create a great experience, you know, not only just initially, but throughout the process too. How often are we communicating? How often are we, you know, showing we care and checking in on them? Like all these things matter. And, you know, another thing is get a win early. So I talked about this before. But, you know, if you can get a win early for them, um, they're going to be more likely to renew. They're going to be more likely to, you know, refer their friends and everything else. And, you know, it's just a good thing the sooner you can get them a win. So, um, 
you know, there's going to be less refunds. All of those things matter. And eventually, basically, what good fulfillment does is it leads to higher LTV, lifetime value. You know, if you do such a great job, the customer is going to be spending more money with you. Lifetime value is essentially how much money they spend with you over the lifetime of your relationship. So, you know, if you get a product that's, uh, let's just say a monthly product, right? They, they can buy it each month like Netflix. How long does somebody stay with Netflix? That's how you determine LTV. It's like maybe Netflix's average, um, you know, customer stay is three years, right? You got some people that quit after a month, some people that have been there for six years. The average is three years, right? And so they know if they're charging 20 bucks a month, you know, and it's three years, that's basically like, you know, $240 a year plus times three. So, you know, almost over $700 is the LTV for a Netflix um, customer. And so they just know on their marketing spend, hey, if we know that this person's going to spend $700 with us, you know, on average, then, I mean, we can just dedicate however much we want to marketing that's obviously below that and gives us the margin we want. Maybe we acquire a customer for 50 bucks. Like, we're going to have a huge profit margin, right? So, you know, if you can do all of these things really well with fulfillment, um, you know, it's going to make your LTVs higher, okay? And that is going to lead to number five, which is you're basically creating fans. You know, you're creating a community and, you know, you want to keep them engaged with your product and your business. Like, you know, go back to the Nike example, like Nike has fans. People love Jordans. Like it's a whole community of people who love Nike. You could say the same about Lululemon. You could say the same about, you know, our communities over at Wealthy Way and just the philosophies we stand by. Um, you know, you're, you're creating fans of your products, okay? So like knowing that, we want to do things to embrace this, right? We want to celebrate, you know, our clients and students and customers. Like, how can we celebrate them? How can we, um, you know, shout them out on social media, um, give them public praise, praise them in front of the other students and clients? How can we, you know, you know, we, we do something where we get all of our um, seven-figure award winners on stage every year. So every year, if you made seven figures, um, at Wealthy Way, then, you know, you get to come on stage and we give you an award. It's really cool. I actually got this idea from Russell Brunson. He's got his two comma club. And so, um, you know, I was like, oh, this is really cool. So let me give our students a seven figure award. It's, it's freaking, it's a great way to honor them shows obviously like, um, you know, success to everyone else. And so it's a great thing. Um, and guess what? Once you create fans, you're also going to start to get referrals. All right. More people are going to tell others about your stuff. Like if you're just, if you're getting them such great results, they're going to tell their friends and you can create referral programs where they actually make money for referring somebody else. And so it becomes a win-win. Um, but referrals are something that happens when you get fans. And then also too, you're going to end up getting more sales and, you know, more sales can be the current product they're in or brand new products, right? Once you've created fans, you can start creating new products for them. It's like, you know, somebody who's a fan of Jordans is gonna buy every single Jordan release, right? Or a lot of them, okay? You know, when I've launched just new and different businesses, um, because we had 
such good fulfillment and, you know, we've created fans, it's led to, you know, people buying into those other businesses and whatever else we're offering because we did everything right up to this point. And here's the thing too, you know, at the end of the day, if you're, you're building up this track record with fans and you're doing a great job, you know, th there's going to be times where things aren't so great, but because of your track record in the business, you know, they're going to give you more leeway and more grace when things aren't going as good because they've gotten a great experience and everything else. And I've had to go through this um, in many of my businesses um, because, like I said, not everything's always going to be great. Business is hard, guys. Building a seven-figure business is hard. Building an eight-figure business is even harder. I haven't built a nine-figure business yet, but I'm on my way. And I know that it's going to be a new level of hard. But, you know, in the end, if you follow... These steps that I talked about, you know, number one, create a good offer. Number two, dial in your marketing. Okay. Number three, dial in your funnels. Okay. Number four, dial in your fulfillment. And then number five, dial in your fans you're gonna create a seven-figure business, okay? There's no doubt about it, you're gonna create it, and, you know, your life will be changed, you're gonna change the lives of many people. I don't care what industry you're in, this is the blueprint to creating the business.